coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. Anything to turn those memories off. I think of it as like a fire hydrant where the memories are trying to gush forward and they will do anything to turn that fire hydrant off. The thing to do is go ahead and let those memories come. Gain control over those memories. They're not going to hurt you. They will make you sad. They will make you grieve, but that's right for that to happen. And I'd like to highlight, I am a big proponent of crying. I know it's a weird concept, but when I was a kid, I had so much depression that I hated crying. Like I had a classically conditioned response that crying associated depression. And so I thought I'd go in this dark abyss and never come out. And so I would just fight tears at all costs. And I could talk about trauma in a very intellectualized level. And it wasn't until a psychologist looked at me and said, oh, wow, you have a lot of pain inside. And it was the biggest game changer to realize I had been talking about trauma for years. I have was conscious of what used to be a prior regressed memory. And now it was conscious. And I could tell you the story beginning, middle, and but I had never actually grieved the emotion. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. We are adding a bonus segment with Dr. Shannon Wolf, and we're going to talk about coping. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of ways that we can get traumatized. So how do we stay emotionally healthy and cope in the world that we live in? Thank you, Dr. Wolf, for being with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me just talk a little bit more about something I'm so passionate about. Um, I want to bring up coping. And I think we've all heard about coping and, and coping mechanisms. And what we're actually saying is when something really hard happens to you, what do you do to get yourself through it? Um, for me, I call family and friends and I make sure that I'm surrounded by people who love me. Um, sometimes I do unhealthy things like stay up way too late watching sitcoms when I know I've got to get up in the morning. Um, and sometimes I reach for unhealthy foods because I like salty kinds of things. And if I'm hurting, I'm constantly looking for ways that are gonna make me feel better. Um, some people do some really healthy things like they go, uh, go exercise, or, or they do other kinds of things that are really healthy. Unfortunately, when people face trauma and they've lived through a trauma, those things tend to not work. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they start looking for other things that will make them feel better for just a little bit, overspending, going to the mall, um, um, getting online and, and shopping, and, and they, they just want a little bit of relief. And sometimes people turn to alcohol or maybe maybe to drugs or some kind of substance, anything that will turn the pain off for just a little bit because what they tried to do, what they've always done that worked beautifully before is not gonna work in trauma. And so sometimes they get themselves into trouble even. Um, and it could be, it could be um, promiscuity. 
too many sexual partners, right? Or not being careful about who they choose to be uh, romantically invested in. It could be, like I said, overspending, overeating. It could also be restricting eating. If they can't control anything else in their life, maybe they're going to control what they, what they eat. It could also be things like exercising too much, not just sleeping too much, but it could be exercising too much to the point where they're hurting their bodies. Um, yeah, so they can do all kinds of things that don't work. Unfortunately, what I've seen with some people, not all, is I see a bipolar diagnosis given to them because they look manic. Mm-hmm. Anything to turn those memories off. I think of it as like a fire hydrant where the memories are trying to gush forward yeah. and, and they will do anything to turn that fire hydrant off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, the thing to do is go ahead and let those memories come, gain control over those memories. They're not going to hurt you. They will make you sad. They will make you grieve, but that's right for that to happen. Yeah. And I'd like to highlight, um, I am a big proponent of crying. (laughs) I know it's a weird concept, but when I was a kid, I had so much depression that I hated crying. Like I had a classically conditioned response that crying associated depression. And so I thought I'd go in this dark abyss and never come out. And so I would just fight tears at all costs. And I could talk about trauma in a very intellectualized level. And it wasn't until a psychologist looked at me and said, oh, wow, you have a lot of pain inside. And it was the biggest like game changer to, to realize I had been talking about trauma for years. I have, was conscious of what used to be a prior regressed memory. And now it was conscious. And I could tell you the story beginning, middle and end, but I had never actually grieved the emotion. So it sounds like you were keeping it right here in the prefrontal cortex, but not allowing your limbic system to say, Oh, wait, but let me tell you how that feels. Yes, exactly. It was super intellectualized way up here in the prefrontal. And so my emotions were super glitchy. Like I would self-harm, I'd have eating disorders. I would do reckless things that were almost like a form of self-punishment, which later I realized, oh, that was anger. It's a legitimate stage of grief to trauma. And if anger doesn't go out, it goes against. I was harming myself in all these reckless, dangerous ways because I didn't know how to metabolize emotion, nor had I ever been given permission that it was valid because on accident, one, the message is you just talk about your trauma. Two, you should just forgive. And three, I had a lot of, well, other people have it worse. So the person that did X, they actually had something even worse. So I always took the perspective of, man, I'm kind of like I'm doing a really good job by loving them more than kind of even sitting in my own perspective. Now, I didn't realize wow. consciously that I did that. I thought that was actually brownie points with God that it's like, look, I can intercede for that person and not actually grieve and own my own anger and injustice and pain and sorrow. So while we have a society that wants the microwave approach and we just Mm -hmm. want to grieve and uh, move through and, you know, have these coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. and coping is fantastic. But to Dr. Wolf's point, we do actually have to deal with the trauma. It's like keeping a malignant tumor on the inside and not resolving it and expecting that, you know, drinking us, a smoothie, like it has vegetables, it has fruit, it's healthy. That's not the right cure, you know, like that's never going to make a malignant tumor go away. If I take an aspirin, 
that mm-hmm. needs to actually be addressed and resolved both at the cognitive and at the emotional level. And so something I think is really important as you may be embarking on, you know, uncovering some of that trauma or emotion is to realize there's a lone crying where you can even be sitting with somebody and yet you're crying like almost into yourself, like this feeling that nobody gets it. Nobody understands how bad this is, or you can attachment cry. And so that's just the term I came up with to just like focus on receiving comfort while crying or being angry. Again, growing up as a sweet, nice little girl, I thought anger was like forbidden. It was a sin. It's bad. I shouldn't feel anger. So I had all these rules and taboos on the inside. And so that was keeping it locked inside because now I was angry at myself for being angry. So then I would do self-punishing, self-harming things as an unconscious way to try to punish this anger and stuff it back down into the basement down there. And so if you're in a season that tears are trying to surface, many times my clients will go, oh, I'm sorry, as they like have emotion. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We want that emotion. Like That is good. That's that's good, good, right? Like we want to put the regions of the brain back together. We want to create those synapse connections that where there's been a sever between head and heart Now we want to start merging and putting the appropriate emotion back together with the event. And now there's like a syncing up and a closure. The cool thing is it's when you get to the emotion or the limbic system back there with the amygdala. Now, all of a sudden the emotion lets you know what core lies and beliefs you've been believing. So well, I want to, can I just speak a little bit about anger real quick? Okay. See, I think we can put anger on a continuum mm-hmm. and I think on one end of the continuum is what I call righteous indignation. How dare you do that to yes. me? And that is healthy. That is healthy anger. I think sometimes it can slide down, uh, you know, on that continuum to a place where it gets messy and destructive. And so we want to stay away from that, that kind of anger, either anger turned inward where you're hurting yourself, maybe um, cutting or or something else that's hurting you physically or emotionally or relationally. So we want to stay away from that. But we do want to stay on that, that end of the continuum where you recognize whatever somebody did to you, if it is interpersonal kinds of things, that that was just wrong. And it's okay to say that was wrong. You should not have done that to me. How dare you? Yes. You also mentioned about forgiveness. Guys, I cannot stress strongly enough. Forgiveness and reconciling with somebody is not the same thing. Right. And I talk about, let's say that a treasurer at a church embezzled money from that church. Would we forgive that person? Yes. Would we ever put them back in charge of the money? No, we would not. And so if somebody has been um, untrustworthy in their relationship with you, if they are not trustworthy with your physical safety or your emotional safety or your mental safety, do you forgive them? You know, yeah, I I think it's probably a good idea for you to work towards forgiveness. Do you ever put them back in a place where they can harm you again? No, you do not. I don't know that God wants us to do that. I don't think that is a wise thing to do. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Shannon. Yes, absolutely. I think that there's such um, a misunderstanding that Mm -hmm. forgiveness means trust or reconciliation. And so many times, because forgiveness is a key to healing, um, but if we foreclose on the grieving process, 
then we just jump to forgiveness. And what you've done is just left that malignant emotion stored in your body. Right. You You do, you do. You have to work through what exactly it is that you're forgiving. Mm -hmm. But also I, I think for so many people forgiving while it is a part of the healing process, it's not going to necessarily make you feel better. Right. It's, it's not the magic bullet here. I think it's something that we do to release some things, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel the pain of it, you know, anymore. It's just that you're not going to carry the guilt of what somebody else did to you. Right. You're, you're just gonna, you're just gonna let that go. So I think that that is a, is a a very important part of it. I also want to say that coping is not magical either. It's not going to just make you feel better. It's going to help you roll with it. That's, it's going to get you through the moment. It's not magical. And if you're expecting it to make you feel better as if um, drinking to the point where, where you fall asleep, you know, if, if you're thinking that they're going to be the same, they're not, it's not you're still going to hurt. Yeah. And I think that's so normalizing. I've had a lot of clients say, well, maybe I haven't forgiven because I still feel pain or mm-hmm. I still think about it. Or yeah, I when I hear their name, I still have a, a feeling of unsafety. And those are psychologically completely different parameters. They so are. just because you've cho- chosen to forgive, which I do recommend that I have actually noticed the difference between pre-forgiveness and forgiveness, But that's not a magic bullet in of itself that you don't have to grieve to Dr. Wolf's point that there's that pain journey. And then as you grieve, now you can honor and restore dignity, even to yourself, that you're worth getting angry that that happened. Now, obviously we're not talking about the Hulk, you know, that's explosive (laughs) and toxic to others, but to the point that you can say that was wrong, that was injustice, the more you real, you can make it, which doesn't mean you have to talk to the person. A lot no. of people have that question. What are your thoughts, Dr. Wolf? No, I think that there are some people who are so dangerous. You should block their number. You should block their email. You should um, give yourself permission not to be in the same room with that person again, if they are that kind of dangerous to you. Um, I think all of us would agree that we would never put a child who's been molested in the same room with the molester. We would agree with that. I think on an adult level, we should give ourselves the same permission that there are some people who are so damaging to us that we need to be able to live our lives in such a way that we don't have to worry about them hurting us again. That's so good. That's so needed. I think people need to hear that that you have permission. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. It means that you're guarding your heart above all else because it's the wellspring of life. Don't put your pearls before swine, that there's principles of having boundaries, that that's actually a biblical concept. But a lot of times people feel bad and they'll often feel like, but maybe I'm the only one that will lead them to Christ. Maybe I'm the only one that can show them a different representation of a Christian or Whatever right. this uh, false responsibility, what right. have you seen in that narrative? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I see that so often where people who are, who have a relationship with Christ, who are believers, that they will say, well, I'm the only one who can lead them to, to Christ. But what I say to them is that's not who you are to them. You are their victim. You are their, maybe their punching bag physically, right? That they're, you're the person that, that they, you are part of their cycle. 
And for you to be able to lead them to Christ, you have to be outside that cycle. Mm, right. Good. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure that, um, that maybe that person is the person to lead them to Christ. Maybe they are, but they have to come from, from a place of safety. They have to they have to protect themselves from this person. And I also wonder if maybe they tell themselves that to give their abuse meaning to them. Please expound on that. I think that yeah. I've seen a lot of clients do. I think, I think we all want to make sense of really bad things that have happened to us. And I think that when it's interpersonal violence, either emotional violence or um, physical violence, we try to make it mean something. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for us to accept the things that have happened if we can say, but something good came out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes people will talk about eternal kinds of things. Um, and, and what's more important than, than that, which is eternal. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I see people trying to, I call it mental gymnastics. They do mental gymnastics in order to find meaning. And if they can wrap God up in that meaning, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. Even when God's saying, yep, nope, nope. That was not my idea. Yeah. And so we want to do the attachment crying, not alone crying, letting yourself feel the sad, the anger, all the things, release it out of your body in an attachment. So that could be someone physically with you um, or, and it could be visualizing someone safe. So mm -hmm. if you had a grandparent, a parent, um, God, somebody that feels like a safe attachment and then crying into their chest. The research is really exciting that even if it's not actually happening, but you believe what you're visualizing is happening, then it does release and have the same medicinal impact as if you're actually being hugged and GABA is released, oxytocin is released, all these wonderful cuddle hormones that help turn off that sympathetic nervous response, now putting parasympathetic back online so the body can start to right the ship again. And so if you're in a state where emotion is trying to bubble up and everything inside of you is like, oh, make it go away, make it stop. How do I avoid this? How do I do more laundry and check more emails rather than pay attention? If you would give yourself margin and just say, it's okay. It's safe to let this emotion out as long as I'm doing it with compassion because that's the medicine. It's not just that we cry for crying's sake. That's like the definition of depression. But if I can cry into a relationship, if you have someone safe in your life, a good friend that can give you eye contact and listen and hear and care, if you can get a good hug from like a grandparent or, or like a mentor or something that just like cares, if you can visualize crying and sometimes I'll just put my head in, um, visually, visualize, put my head in Jesus's chest. And I'm just like, my pain matters. You're angry that this happened. You did not cause this. There is hurt here and it's wrong and it's injustice. And you love me and you're in this moment with me. And the more that I just hang on to truth that God cares, he is not causing this and my pain matters. I'll literally feel like this, this tsunami just start to clear out of my system. And it's like, the little glitching stops and there's like peace restored, almost like that clear after a storm and the sky is like bright again. Any other last tips you'd give in our coping episode, Dr. Will? Yeah, the, the, the things that I would say about coping 
is think through now, what are your ways that you cope? What are ways that are nurturing you and helping you be stronger? And lean into that. If you're doing some things in the moment, just to give you a little bit of relief, maybe take a look at those and say, is that helping me get past this? Or is this keeping this going in some way? And maybe seek help for that. Yes, that is such a good, could you just say that again? Cause I feel like there was so much weight on that, but your voice is so sweet and tender that I want to make sure people really hear it. Sure, sure. What I'm saying is look at the things that you're doing to try to make yourself feel better or to get through this. If you're doing some things that are helping you, some things that are nurturing you, continue doing them. If you're looking at the things that you're doing and there's some things that are harming you in some way, take a look at them and and maybe get some help in trying to let that go because it's keeping this whole process in place. It's not letting you move forward. It's not letting you get rid of the pain. It's actually keeping it there. That's such a good word. So there is hope, there is healing. And if you didn't hear the way to reach out to Dr. Wolf, who is a doctor of psychology and licensed and specializing in trauma, how do people get a hold of you again? Shannon at Southcliff.com, S-O-U-T-H-C-L-I-F-F.com. And it's Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, because I know your name is spelled with an A-N. Yes, yes. We love you guys, and we will see you for the next episode. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the greater calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.